Behind the Headlines, the New Israel Fund's podcast sharing insight and analysis from activists in Israel. You're listening to Kalela Lancaster with a June 2016 edition of the New Israel Fund's podcast, Behind the Headlines. This weekend features a charged date in the Jewish calendar, Yom Yerushalayim, Jerusalem Day, which marks the Israeli capture of the old city of Jerusalem during the Six-Day War in 1967 and celebrates the so-called reunification of the city. Yom Yerushalayim is a highly sensitive day, celebrating as it does the extremely emotive moment in which the Jewish people regained access to our holiest site, the Western Wall, but of course, also marking the beginning of Israeli occupation and annexation of East Jerusalem, creating a two-tiered reality in the city between the West Jerusalemite citizens and the East Jerusalemite residents, and a thorn in the side of efforts to advance a two-state solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, with Jerusalem as the capital of both states. So, Yom Yerushalayim, a complex day at best, and the highly divisive and tense nature of the day has been exacerbated over the years as the central focus of celebrations has become the March of Flags, a parade in which thousands march through the city waving Israeli flags. The parade culminates in a dramatic march through the Muslim quarter of the old city, which has been marred for years by racist slogans and incitement to violence. During the march, you can hear chants of death to Arabs and you can see marchers intimidating residents by banging on the doors and windows of homes as they pass. Israeli police seal off entry to the march route to Palestinian residents of the broader East Jerusalem for their own safety, that's what they say, and those Palestinians who live inside the Muslim quarter are encouraged to close their shops and stay indoors. Last year, the High Court of Justice rejected a petition by NIF grantees Eomim and Tagmeir to keep the Jerusalem Day Parade from marching through the Muslim sectors of the city. The justices did come down hard, though, on the police, emphasising the need for swift law enforcement regarding any incidents of violence and racism. When the march did go ahead, Tagmeir organised an alternative march of flowers, in which... Jewish Jerusalemites handed out flowers to Palestinian old city residents as a means of spreading a message of tolerance and coexistence. So this year the march is set for Yom Yerushalayim and there is an added source of tension as the date is likely to coincide with the the eve of Ramadan, a date which is traditionally marked by celebration. People are decorating their homes, visiting friends and family and so on. So I'm guessing this won't be happening if the march takes place through the community's streets. Now, I'm joined today by Judith Oppenheimer, director of Jerusalem NGO Iramim, which literally means City of Nations, and which is the driving force behind the campaign to change the route of the march. Also with me today is Daniel Eisenberg, a movement worker for the Masorti youth movement Noam, which has formed a coalition with other Zionist youth movements to raise awareness here in the UK about the highly problematic nature of this march and to raise their voice in, con- in condemnation of the event. So, firstly, Yudit, Daniel, thank you so much for joining me today. Firstly, Yudit, before we go into detail about the march, can you give us some background on the situation in East Jerusalem? I think that the status of East Jerusalem, including the old city and its residents, is a bit tricky and hazy to some. So, can can we just clarify it? What exactly counts as East Jerusalem? Is it part of Jerusalem proper or not? Are the Arabs who live there Israeli, Palestinian, or or what, Yudit? Sure, thank you. Um, as you said, Kalila, in uh, uh, June 1967, Israel, after uh, occupying East, Ju- the East Jerusalem and the West Bank, uh, annexed East Jerusalem 
uh, to Israel. It's the only part of the in the West Bank that Israel formally annexed to uh, to itself to become part of Israel and apply the Israeli law over the entire area of East Jerusalem on an area much greater than the original East Jerusalem, the Jordanian East Jerusalem, actually an area that makes the, the size of Jerusalem three times bigger. While Israel fully annexed East Jerusalem, and when saying annexing East Jerusalem and applying the Israeli law, this is from Israel's point of view. It's legal in the eye of the Israeli law. However, in the eye of the international law, this is still an occupied a, um, area, and uh, as well as the rest of the West Bank, and the international community never recognized this annexation. But not only that, Israel, from its point of view, annexed uh, all East Jerusalem fully. However, it did not annex the people of East Jerusalem. While the area of East Jerusalem, the territory of East Jerusalem, is today part, an official part of Israel, again, from Israel's point of view, the people of the, the Palestinian living in East Jerusalem, today making up 300,000 people, are not uh, citizens, were denied citizenship rights. So they were submitted with the status of permanent residents. Today, this is maybe the biggest minority in the world that is has been denied political rights for near 50 years. So Jerusalem today is, as you said before, is divided between West Jerusalem citizens and East Jerusalem residents. And this is not just a formal division. It's a division that it's, is translated to an ongoing and profound discrimination in all areas of life. The, for example, the, the, the rate of poverty in East Jerusalem is near 80% today, which is enormous by, by, by any, any comparison. Not only that, Today, there is nothing permanent about permanent residency because under all sorts of uh, regulation, Palestinians can lose these, uh, these status. And if they lose this status, actually the majority of East Jerusalemites live today under the fear of, of the, uh, under the threat of uh, revocation of their permanent residency status. And, and without which they cannot even visit their own city. They cannot even enter their own city. They are completely cut off from their own city. And this is not just a, a, a saying because 15,000 Palestinians until now lost their permanent residency status. So this is a, an, in order to maintain this, what, what, what Israel called the United City, this is actually based on severe divisions in rights, in status, in, uh, in uh, infrastructure, in, uh, in political rights, in, uh, in economic rights, all sorts of rights. Okay, so we're talking about a situation of uh, severely entrenched discrimination at, at all these different levels. And, of course a very tense dynamic between East and West Jerusalem, uh, which we've seen sadly has grown even more tense in recent years. And so then you throw into the mix this march, 
which really, I mean, you did, let's be candid here. It's, it's, it's kind of all about showing who's boss, right? So it's kind of all about what? Showing who's boss, right? Yes, like exactly. it's that kind of agenda. So this is really fanning the flames of the situation. Exactly. I was uh, interviewed to Galeitzal, to IDF uh, broadcasting uh, this morning. Uh, it was, uh, um, um, I was, uh, interviewing uh, side by side with the head of the flag parade and he said we we need this uh, parade bec- uh, as, as a demonstration to show in the the unification of Jerusalem to show to the Palestinian etc 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 exactly what you say right so even explicitly it's not even a sort of a, uh, ex- a hidden ex- agenda no no it's not even a hidden agenda it's a it's a showing it's a showing of to to show who's the boss and and it was said was said officially not only this morning and again and again but I heard it in my own eyes in my own ears this morning from one of the from one of the organizer of the parade so I'm interested you did I'm interested to hear a, a little bit about the history of this march I, I know that it's been going on for many many years was it always like this was this always the agenda of the march do you think? You know what, um, a personal uh, revelation. Um, I grew up in an Orthodox family, in a, a, which has always been a politically modest, but I, I, I studied at the Ulpanat, uh, you know, in the, I'm, a, I'm a product of the national religious uh, formal, uh, formal education. And I remember in high school that we were taken also to, it was not yet called the flag parade at the time, but it was uh, like, you know, we were taken to the old city on, uh, on Jerusalem Day. And, and I don't remember marching through the, the Muslim quarter. That was unthinkable at the time. But we were, you know, in the streets of old Jerusalem. And, and I, I remember feeling very uncomfortable. It's so funny that you say that you did because I have to just tell you and share with you. I don't know how old you are, but I actually participated in it in the same kind of context. In my year off, when I was 18, I went on my gap year and I studied at a yeshiva and I also have a similar background. And I remember being taken to the march exactly as you've just described and having kind of a realization. And this was in 1993, which was actually a year of high hopes, as we all know, because it was the height of the Oslo process. There we go. I've just given my age away. (laughs) And I remember, and I remember exactly as you say, having the beginnings of an awakening that something wasn't right because it was very uncomfortable. It was clearly, uh, it was clearly, I remember feeling a, a, a march of intimidation. And that's what I remember at the time too. So this is this is what you're talking about, and over the years, but it has become much worse over the over the years because now it's a lot more established, and the the religious right wing has grown so much. So we're talking if we were uh, hundreds or thousands at the time, today we're talking about ten of thousands of of, of people, which has be- have become a lot more louder and a lot more. Uh, provocative and 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 uh, and today it is made out really as a demonstration, as some, something exactly as you say to show who's the boss. Plus all these flags that I don't remember from my from my child, childhood, huge flags. And just you know, think about the 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 Muslim quarter. First of all, again, you said that before. In order to 
make it possible security-wise, the police uh, close off the Muslim quarter from its residents. They cannot go in or out. They have to close their shops. I was standing outside in the Damascus Gate. I was standing, you know, two years ago with Palestinians. Hours and hours were waiting to move back to the to their own homes because they were denied access to their homes while the march was passing through the uh, through their own streets, through their own uh, quarter. And this closure of the of the uh, old city is in itself very very abusive to the people who live in in the now today this year when it falls at the beginning of of the Ramadan Eve either the Ramadan Eve itself or an Eve before which is the peak of the preparations for the uh, uh, for for the for the Ramadan and you know what if you walk through the Muslim quarters today you see all the decorations that people were people put on the on the walls and on the streets and on the you know on the ceiling of the of of, of the street just think about all these flags and people with flags and and marching you know with all these uh, cries and and into these narrow streets and what happens to just even to these all of these decorations how would it look like the next day which is actually the beginning of the ramadan wow you really paint the picture i was really imagining it in my mind's eye as you were speaking and it and it's really upsetting. I'm gonna uh, turn now to my other guest, Daniel. Now, your youth movement, Noam, and other Zionist youth movements in the UK have have got something to say about this march, right? So can you just share with us, what's your point of view and why do you think this is such an important issue for the movements to rally around? It's wonderful to be here. And I wanna say, before I state our purpose in this, that listening to you, Yehudi, now is really galvanizing me to continue yeah. this because I can really feel the pain which could be inflicted on people if this goes ahead in this particular way. And I hope with my heart and soul that it, it will not, but I also recognize it might. Thank you so much. Um, so thank you. And it's extremely expiring. We're, in, we're working here with young people to give a sense of what Zionism means and precisely the work you're doing is incredibly inspiring. What Thank you. We are I've, inspired by your work. Thank you very much. Okay, enough of the pleasantries now. Um, <laughs> the reason yeah. I think this is important is because I care deeply about the city of Jerusalem. I have spent time there studying in yeshiva, and I feel religiously, spiritually, incredibly connected to it as a city. And I feel that the way to make great the name of Hashem is to bring peace, love, tolerance, coexistence to the city. And any efforts which have hatement or incitement or intimidation as part of them are clearly contravening the Torah and the deepest values that Judaism holds so dearly. You shall love the stranger. So for me, this is a deeply religious obligation to condemn any form of violence, particularly when it's being done in the name of God and in a Jewish God. Um, so I, as a member of NAM, which is the Mazorti Youth Movement uh, in England, we really, as a collective, feel very strongly that, that we want to promote condemnation of this. And we're working with many other youth movements in the UK. And we are lucky to have the support of um, 
RSY, the Reform Youth Movement, LJY, the Liberal Youth Movement, and Habonim Dro, which wow. is also present in Israel. And, That's wonderful. And, and that was good. We're sending a letter and we're in discussions. Um, so it's immensely important to me. I feel very, very strongly about it. And we're trying to do as much as possible. Yeah, first of all, I'm so moved. I mean, really, really, Daniel, that's wonderful. And your support is so essential. And to hear you phrased it so well, you know, really, and, and, and so moving. And, and I think, you know, something that I actually didn't expect to come out of uh, this conversation, that we all share a religious background. And, and it's not about not recognizing or not appreciating the religious emotions and, and the religious touch to Jerusalem and to East Jerusalem and to holy places in Jerusalem, but not, not through conquering and not through showing who is the both and, and, and by respecting also the attachment of, of, of others to the city and to the holy places of the city. And this is so important. And what you are this bonding that you make with the with other uh, Jewish youth movement is so so important, and and I'm so moved from what you said. And I wanted to share with you that also in Jerusalem, uh, uh, the, the the flag parade is is so massive in uh, you know in in the number of people, but but but. Besides, there are so many other, and in the recent years, a lot more uh, of, of uh, uh, there is a, a very vibrant uh, civil society in Jerusalem, in, in West Jerusalem. And there are, today, there are lots of initiatives trying to present an alternative to the uh, flag parade. Now, I think we all share, or I don't know who, you know, we are... Um, as Clayla said in, in the beginning, we want to see another future to Jerusalem, another reality for, for Jerusalem. We would like to see two sovereign people in Jerusalem, but and we do not necessarily share this view with, with all of these alternative uh, uh, initiative about, uh, about Jerusalem Day. But even so, just trying those who feel they, they ought to, to celebrate this day, that they, they do it in, in a way of reaching out to others. In, in celebrating it in, 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 in an inclusive way, in in an inviting way, and, and, and trying to present an alternative not only to this day, but to the current situation in Jerusalem as a whole, a city that can be shared. I'm not saying this uh, this uh, solve the, all the political conflict, but it's a different way to live the current reality in, uh, in Jerusalem. And I see all what you uh, support very, very essential to to all to to this uh, movement and to these initiatives. So you did. Let's move on from that and take that forward. Um, and I think you know, let's talk Tachlis here because this is a great opportunity. Right. We've got the two of you together in a right. conversation. Um, now, I mean, you did. I know you and I have this shared experience of actually participating in the march when we were younger. There, there are a right. lot of young people on this march. Um, and uh, there is probably the involvement of some Israeli youth movements in one way or the other, officially or unofficially or whatever. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's organized or not organized, but I, I'm interested to hear from you. You know, do you think this initiative by Zionist youth movements in the diaspora can have some impact? And, and what should they be doing to really have an effect, actually? And when I say have an effect, I'm specifically talking about the campaign that you are leading on, which is really about changing the route of the march. Uh, so, right. what do you think right. about 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to answer this question. I think that there are two levels of activism that are essential here. And yes, the, 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 the question, the answer is, is, is uh, your support and, and assistance is essential. I think there is a work that can be done within, these, within each community, asking, demanding uh, the, the leadership of the community, the, the, the rabbis, to make a statement about the, the flag parade and to also um, demand rabbis in Israel whom they are in contact with, who are, you know, in their circles, also to take a stand, to make a statement, not to, not to remain silent. I think this is very, very important. And also, I think young leadership can also reach out to young leadership in Israel, you know, reaching out to Noam Israel and say, you know, we are very worried because I know Noam Israel, you know, they do not support it, but they are reluctant about, or I'm not saying, you know, specifically Noam, but, but today people here in Israel you know, the atmosphere is dif more difficult than it was, and, and some are reluctant to make a statement, to take a stand. So maybe encourage them, you know, that they have support from their uh, um, peers and colleagues in, in the diaspora to take a stand in, in this issue. Yeah, that, that would be really wonderful. We're in very close contact with um, Noam Israel. There's uh, many Snifim there that we know, and also there's like people on Shnat Sherut that came to on our machane last year. So we would really love to be in touch with them and we have a good relationship. So I, that's an excellent idea, Yehudit. And thank you for suggesting that because I think uh, that's really how we're going to have an effect if we can use our alliances within Israel, both on the rabbinic level and on the youth movement level, that will definitely have a stronger impact. Questions. Well, one of the questions you've answer, answered already is about the specific timing on on, on, on the time of um, Ramadan. So I just I, I will make myself uh, clear. You know, in in the Muslim uh, tradition, um, like as much as like as the the old Jewish tradition, the uh, festives are determined by the cycle of the moon. While it, while the Jewish tradition at some at, at, at some point, uh, it uh, um, translated into to fixed a, a calendar. It is not the same in with the Muslim uh, tradition, and so they actually it depends by the the completion of the month. The, you know the cycle of the moon. It could fall on the sixth of June or on the seventh of June, and it is also announced a day before. This is the Muslim traditions, you know, millions of Muslims all around the world are waiting to hear when the Ramadan begins. begins. Um, and, and so, but whether, whether it's for, it starts on the 6th or, or the 7th, the March, which is a, a scheduled to the 5th, will be either at the very eve of Ramadan or an evening before, which is the peak of the organization when people are getting organized for the Ramadan. So the question that I'm asking is, how feasible, how possible is it for the route of the march to change? 
Is it wishful thinking or can we genuinely convince the municipality and the organisers of the march to move the route so it doesn't interrupt? And by the way, the municipality, just to throw in another little fact here, uh, it's true, isn't it? You did that they tripled the budget this year for the march. Right, right. No, no, thank you very much. I'm, uh, I'm impressed by uh, your, your um, knowledge and accuracy. Um, that's a diff- that's a difficult question. I I prefer I would I choose to answer it this way. Look, we've been working the staff of Iramim uh, on this issue for the past two weeks. I can say day and night, and we wouldn't do that if we didn't have the hope that our effort can be su- successful. Can I be sure that we will be successful? I cannot be sure. Um, there are many pressures on the police, on the municipality to allow the, the parade to go through the Muslim quarters. Um, but we are hopeful. Other than, otherwise, we wouldn't make all this, uh, all this effort and we have to be helpful, uh, hopeful. And you help and your assistance and assistance that we receive from all over is very, very encouraging. I think many, many people, many people uh, would like to see the root of the um, parade change. We held a survey and we asked the people of West Jerusalem, the Jews, you know, how many of them object the root of the of the flag parade, 61 objected, 61% of the Jews in West Jerusalem, of the West Jerusalemite objected the route of this of the flag parade, objected it uh, of moving via the Muslim quarters. And 73 or 74% said that in any case, uh, they think that the, the move of the flag parade via the Muslim quarter will Im- impact negatively on the situation in Jerusalem and Palestinian and, and Jewish relationship in Jerusalem. And we are in a very, you, you know, we all know we had very, very stormy, uh, two, two stormy uh, summers. And, and I think we all, you know, Jerusalemites are looking for, for a different summer and are looking for a way of, of a, you know, that of more quiet in the city. This is really not helpful. I wanted to add um, the words of Moshe Dayan, which I found before. And on yes. the day of liberation, uh, he gives a powerful speech and he says, to our Arab neighbors, we extend at this hour and with added emphasis at this hour, our hand in peace, and to our Christian and Muslim fellow citizens, we solemnly promise full religious freedom and rights. We did not come to Jerusalem for the sake of other people's holy places, and not to interfere with the adherence of other faiths. And reading those words, it seems to be that Moshe Dayan, who was far from a dovish figure, if he is insisting so strongly that we should not interfere with other people's uh, religious practices through aggressive and uh, anti-peaceful behavior, then that seems like something that the city of Jerusalem should embrace. Uh, it feels to me, um, I'm hopeful, I'm an optimistic person. I think that I'm encouraged by the, the, the intense work you're putting in. And I really, really hope that this march can be moved 
for this year through its roots, but in the future um, for it totally to change its nature. I participated uh, when I lived in Jerusalem with Tug Meir uh, handing out flowers and it was such a wonderful event. We, we didn't just hand out flowers to Palestinians, we also handed them out to um, Jewish people who sometimes were more aggressive to us. But when they understood um, you know, that this was an act of sharing and love, even though it was a sort of left-wing initiative, people began to see it as sharing kindness, sharing love in a city that is uh, lacking uh, that sometimes. And I, I think it's a, a beautiful initiative being done by Tag Meir, and I'd love to see uh, that sort of thing flourish more. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Um, Kalila, can I, can I have uh, Daniel's uh, email address so oh, we yeah, can... <laughs> it's like a shidduch. <laughs> seriously. So yeah. we can, uh, we can uh, communicate Absolutely. and I will have also Betty Hirschman, who is uh, our director of um, international advocacy, that uh, we will be in touch with you and we can send you more materials and hear from you how your uh, work is uh, progressing. Mm. Perfect. Uh, that, I mean, I think that's a, a great point to end. Uh, we've had some moving words. We've made a shidduch, <laughs> as Daniel said. Uh, and what better way to, uh, to close this conversation. You did, Daniel, thank you both so much for joining us. And I really wish you the very best in your efforts, separate, coordinated, combined, and, and what have you, uh, to, to really minimize the damage of this very, very difficult event and, uh, and, and, and to advance more peaceful, uh, uh, hopeful, and positive uh, initiatives uh, in its place. So thank you so much and really- Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you Kalila. Thank, thank you, pleasure. Daniel. We'll be in touch. in touch. Take care, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the New Israel Fund Behind the Headlines podcast. <laughs>